Super Talk Mississippi media production. In the Mississippi Legislature, House Bill 728 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop House Bill 728. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. And welcome in. Good to be with you on this Thursday, the Thursday of the SEC tournament, uh, where at least uh, on Ole Miss's side of things, very important basketball being played today. Now, I know Mississippi State fans, of course, are still going to watch because you are and you play Kentucky today and uh, you haven't beaten Kentucky since 2009. Uh, There's a lot of state fans that talk to us about, you know, the future of Ben Howland and stuff like that. I don't know how important this tournament is for his future with what he should have coming back, but it is SEC Tournament Thursday. You've got Mississippi State coming up, I think, at 11, right? And then Ole Miss is the nightcap later on. The schedule cracked me up. So you've got a game. Ole Miss is scheduled to start at 8 Central, and there's a game scheduled to start at 6 Central. Um, You want to go ahead and uh, not set your alarm for 8 o'clock because there's no shot Ole Miss is playing at 8 o'clock tonight. Either way, it is great to be with you. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you so much for tuning into the stream, as you always do. Real quick, before we get into uh, the content for today, why you clicked on the show, five questions for the SEC entering spring football. Of course, I'm going to start with Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I mean, why wouldn't I? But five questions for the SEC entering spring football. Good morning, Wayne. Good to see you. Glad that you are with me, uh, as uh, you always are. I appreciate you very much. So welcome in. Um, A couple of things. First of all, Subscribe to the podcast, uh, Mike in the Morning. Uh, Just search it in the iTunes store. Search my name in the Spotify store. Um, It's not store. You don't have to pay for it. It's free. I don't know why I said store. It is free, I promise. Um, Subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and a review. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Search my name on YouTube. You can find it there. All social media platforms. And uh, you can get this any way you want. So if you miss a stream, it gets uploaded in podcast form. Um, if you miss a podcast, you can watch it live on the stream. I'm everywhere. You can't escape me, so uh, you can find it there. Also today, I was going to do uh, the the COVID anniversary thing. I, In fact, I started working on a little bit of a list, and we might still do it on the radio show this afternoon. In fact, I, I know we're going to because um, it's kind of my call. But um, this is the one-year anniversary today is the one-year anniversary of the night that sports really shut down. Uh, March 11th, 2020 was when um, it was the Jazz and the Thunder that were on the court getting ready to start their game, and Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID, um, canceling the game. And then New Orleans and Sacramento were supposed to play later that night, and the NBA called that game off as well. This is the one-year anniversary of the sports world shutting down, thanks mostly due uh, to Rudy Gobert's positive test, which shut down the NBA. And then you guys remember what happened after that. It was just like a snowball rolling down the hill. It just got bigger and bigger, and by then you couldn't stop it. It was a bizarre, bizarre night, if you guys remember it. I'm a um, I'm a big NBA guy. 
so I, I watched it often. And so, of course, I was watching that night as well. And just that was a that was a bizarre scene one year ago today. And Brent says it was uh, the one year anniversary of 15 days to stop the spread as well. Um, yeah, 15 days, 15 months. What's the difference, right? <laughs> but um, I was going to do like uh, things that we've learned since then or things that have happened since then list. And I kind of feel like you guys are sick of talking about COVID. And I just said we're going to do it on the radio show today, but that's three hours versus 30 minutes. So it's a little bit different. Um, I think you guys are sick of that. I, I don't want to talk about COVID today and everything that happened and, you know, lesser capacity and all that stuff. I, I don't want to do that today. So that's why I'm doing my spring ball questions today. And I'm kind of stealing content from my own show. We did this a little bit yesterday. One pressing question for each team entering spring ball. I've got five big picture stuff from the SEC, and I will start with Mississippi State. So question number one, can your talented freshman become impact sophomores. So Marks, Johnson, Rogers, Wally all showed flashes of brilliance. Wally especially. I mean, I I think he's special. I think he's already going to be an impact guy. So this question may not apply to him as much as it does uh, the running backs or Will Rogers. But you had a, a team that they struggled offensively, especially early. But at times you had flashes of absolute brilliance from Wally, your receiver. Will Rogers, I think people, I told you this before on this show, people really do not give him enough credit at all, in my opinion, for getting thrust into a role that he wasn't supposed to be in. It was supposed to be KJ Costello's team. Will Rogers was thrust into a role as a true freshman after a weird offseason where they couldn't have spring practice, they couldn't have regular fall camp, and it's a new system, and it's all SEC games. I think considering all of those factors, Will Rogers should have exceeded, far exceeded your expectations. True freshman with all of that up against him, and I think he played well. I was really encouraged by what I saw from Will Rogers. Um, And even though Mike Leach doesn't run the football well, you have two freshman running backs that when they were given the opportunities, looked like they were capable of doing it. So all four of them, Wally being the most impactful to me, Um, and to everybody, he's exceptional. But can your talented, true freshmen become impact sophomores and make this football team better? Because now everybody knows who they are. You know who Jaden Wally is. You know who Will Rogers is if he wins the job. Some people um, think that he won't. But there's going to be tape out. Teams are going to be prepared for these guys. They're going to be prepared for the Mike Leach scheme. Can these guys improve from freshman to sophomore? I expect they will, but of course that's a question that they need to answer. Um, But can they adjust when their opponents are going to adjust? Because you know that everybody in the SEC now knows who Jaden Wally is. He's not going to surprise anybody anymore. Um, They're going to be prepared for him. They're going to make somebody else beat them besides that guy because he can. They're going to have tape on Will Rogers. They're going to pick up on tendencies if he has them. Can those impact freshmen become, or can those talented freshmen become impact sophomores? That's the biggest question to me for Mississippi State. If they're going to get back to 500 or better, if they're going to improve on last year's number, um, these young guys have to drive the bus, even on defense. Uh, I mean, you lose your anchor uh, with Errol Thompson on defense. You get Brulee back, who I think is an NFL player. Um, 
I, we talked about this before on this show as well. There was a meme going around where it was two bar graphs and one said, who is this in college football? And the, the bar graph for recognition was tiny, but talent was really, really tall. And my answer is Aaron Brule. I think Aaron Brule um, just was not talked about at all. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's left off the first or second or even third team preseason All-SEC teams um, because people just don't know who he is yet, but they should. Um, The position he plays, how well he plays it, his athleticism, his physicality, and rushing the passer. In that defensive scheme, his – and a lot of it is advanced stats. So if you look at his sack numbers, you're like, well, I mean, what do you mean he's a great pass rusher? No, when you expand it to pressures, hurries, stuff like that, Aaron Brulee's elite. Seriously, he's that kind of player. Um, but you lose your anchor on that defense. You lose a lot on the defensive line. So even your presence on that side of the ball is going to be young. But, of course, me, like everybody else, uh, focused on the offense. Can those guys go from talented freshmen who flashed to consistent every single Saturday impact players that can win SEC games at a consistent basis. That offense, here reinventing the wheel, that offense has to get better. Mississippi State was not good enough offensively last year, in part because they had true freshmen at every impact spot. They need to get better. I think that they will, especially Wally. I I mean, that limited sample size, I mean, that guy, what a find. For Mississippi State, I think he is going to have an exceptional career. Mississippi State does not have a wide receiver presence in the NFL. I mean, they've really struggled at that position. Um, as long as he keeps his head on straight, I don't know anything about that. Sounds condescending. I he could be a brilliant kid. He could be the dumbest kid on earth. I have no idea. So as long as he keeps his focus and progresses the way he should and keeps his head on straight, um, he, he's. There's a NFL wide receiver for Mississippi State. He's that good, I think. He showed you that. But now the film's going to be out on him. Now teams are going to be prepared. Can he progress, even though people now know who he is? For Ole Miss, the question that I've heard and seen all the time is, quote, who will replace Elijah Moore? I have been asked that a 100 times. I've seen people ask that question a 100 times. Who's going to replace Elijah Moore? Or this guy is going to replace Elijah Moore? And the answer to that question, who's going to replace Elijah Moore, is nobody. And that's okay. That that line of thinking always bugs me. Who's going to replace Elijah Moore? Because when you ask that question, you imply that it's possible. That Ole Miss has a, a player on their roster right now that is exactly him. And I think that is really underselling how unbelievable Elijah Moore is. I've told you guys this before. I'll tell you again. When you talk about greatest receivers at Ole Miss of all time, you have to mention Elijah Moore. Yes, he only had one season in a scheme that actually made sense, but he still caught like 800 yards of passes under Rich Rodriguez's, I mean, archaic offense that they ran in 2019. But what he did this past season, only playing in nine games, Breaking records, SEC-only schedule, constantly getting open, constantly rising up to the challenge of playing against better, not better, but the better defensive backs in the league. I mean, South Carolina took J.C. Horn, who's going to be a first-round pick, and lined him up against Elijah Moore, and he still went off. Uh, He is a special player. 
So the answer, who's going to replace Elijah Moore? Nobody. They, they don't have Elijah Moore on that roster anymore. One, I mean, they got that graduate transfer from Western Kentucky who um, you know, caught a bunch of passes but technically is still a walk-on. I mean, he kind of looks the same. But asking that question implies that that's possible, and I don't think that's possible. I mean, Ole Miss didn't replace DK Metcalf either, and they still had the most prolific offense in SEC football history. That is statistics. It's not my eyes. It's not an opinion. They had more yards per game than 2019 LSU in conference play. They didn't replace DK Metcalf. They used Elijah Moore. They're not going to replace Elijah Moore. He doesn't exist on that team. That's taking away from how special he was. They have capable and talented wide receivers. They have to step up and be productive. But if your question is who's going to replace Elijah Moore, nobody. Nobody. They don't have Elijah Moore on that roster. They have guys that are capable. I mean, Mingo's got to take a step forward. Dontario Drummond, I think, showed you that he can be a really good wide receiver, especially when he's given um, more opportunities, which he will be moving forward. Braylon Sanders returns for another year. He's a quality SEC wide receiver. I think John Rice Plumley, if they get him to play slot, can be, I think he can play in the NFL if he focuses on playing the slot. But that question can't be answered. The answer is no, nobody is going to replace Elijah Moore, and that's okay. They're going to have to do it differently this year. He doesn't exist on that roster anymore, and that's okay. But that that question drives me nuts. Who's going to replace Elijah Moore? Nobody. Nobody. And that's okay. And there's a bonus question for Ole Miss about the two junior college uh, defensive uh, defensive tackles, uh, Gordon and uh, is it Eiton? Uh, they need to be able to play right away. I mean, they need to be plug-and-play immediate impact guys or else they'll lose games when scoring 42 points on offense. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where my focus is. Elijah Moore. Can they replace him? No, they won't. And that's okay. Uh, number three, who's going to be the class at the league uh, of the league at quarterback. Now you look around the sec and there are so many teams that are replacing a quarterback. It's not just Mac Jones who leaves Alabama. It's not just Kellen Mond who leaves Texas A&M after being there for the better part of a decade. Um, it's not Kyle Trask from Florida. I mean, Arkansas is replacing a quarterback. Kentucky's replacing a quarterback. South Carolina's going to be replacing a quarterback. Tennessee is going to be doing it as well. Half the league. I mean, let's count them. Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas A&M, half the league. Half the league is replacing their quarterback. So um, it's not just the major impact guys that I just mentioned. It's literally half the SEC. So who's going to step up and be like that guy? Because the SEC um, was a really good quarterback league uh, last year. And everybody's going to point to JT Daniels at Georgia and, and Matt Corral at Ole Miss. Of course they are. Um Daniels was really good at the end of the year. He was really, really good for Georgia at the end of last season. Um, it's still going to drive me crazy when JT Daniels uh, becomes the preseason All-SEC quarterback. I think Matt Corral's sample size is uh, is bigger, and he should be recognized as that. But that's um, that's how it's going to be. Sorry, lost my train of thought there for a second. That's how it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be JT Daniels first, and that's okay. But 
who's going to be the class of the SEC? Is Alabama going to be able to replace Mac Jones's production with, I mean, everybody says it's going to be Bryce Young, right? That small sample size didn't look like he was as capable as Mac Jones. Florida has their guy to replace Kyle Trask. Texas A&M has their guy to replace Kellen Mond. But are they going to be as good or capable of that? Or is it now JT Daniels and Matt Corral's show? Um, Because that's really it going into this season. As far as quarterbacks that have at least some kind of a sample size and hype. I mean, I really like the guy at Vanderbilt, for example. Uh, Ken Seals, I thought he was very good last year. We'll see what LSU does. Um, I mean, does Miles Brennan just step right in and take his job back? Because I saw some really nice things out of not Miles Brennan last year after his injury. I don't know if that job's guaranteed to him. At least it shouldn't be. So who's going to be the class, the quarterback class uh, of the SEC this year? Next question, my number four is, is there a contender in there somewhere? I'm talking about aside from Alabama. Most everybody thinks it's going to be Georgia, that they're ready to take the next step, that they finally figured themselves out offensively because Daniel stepped in and played well. Maybe that's going to be the case. I'll believe it when I see it. I still think Kirby Smart's a step below what Nick Saban has done at Alabama. But this kind of thing gets said every year, and I kind of make fun of it myself because the answer is always no. But is this year finally a year where Alabama is actually vulnerable? Are they actually vulnerable this year? I know what the answer is going to be. It's probably no. They lost a bunch of assistants. Nick Saban has replaced assistants every year, and it hasn't mattered. They lose a bunch of players, and it doesn't matter because in steps the next future first-round pick five-star wide receiver slash running back slash offensive lineman. Every position Alabama is just filled with blue chip guys ready to step in and take the next step. But is this year the year where they're vulnerable? I think it might be because of the quarterback position for Alabama. We have shifted and college football itself has shifted in the last 10, 15 years or so. Alabama used to be able to under Nick Saban be elite everywhere average at quarterback, and win championships. They were able to do that. And that's kind of underselling, you know, like A.J. McCarron. He was good, but these guys were all game managers. That's all they had to be, was just manage the game, don't screw it up. We're not going to let them score. We'll run the football. We'll win these games. It's kind of shifted. Now Alabama's winning games because of dynamic quarterback play. That's This is three quarterbacks in a row now for Alabama that have been dynamic. And yes, they're still winning championships. They're doing it differently, though. I don't think Alabama can revert back to the average quarterback play and win championships. Yeah, they can beat damn near everybody in the SEC. But when you're talking about, is there a contender? Is there a title contender, national title, SEC title contender in here somewhere? I think Alabama might be vulnerable unless Bryce Young steps in and just becomes a player um, And, I mean, he's already got Heisman odds. Most people um, think that he's this good. Maybe he is. The sample size, though, I wasn't impressed. It's very different than what I saw from DJ Uyong Galile. 
I'll never get that right, no matter how many times I hear it. But it's not the same. DJ stepped in in Trevor Lawrence's absence and looked completely unfazed. I mean, just he's already made instant impact quarterback who has all the skills and everything was there. I saw immediate stardom. The first series DJ played at Clemson. I didn't get that from Bryce Young. I didn't see that the same way I guess other people have. But DJ Uyongalile looked different to me than Bryce Young. I don't think Clemson's going to have any trouble replacing Trevor Lawrence. There might be some growing pains in Alabama. At least I think so. So does that make them vulnerable? I think the answer is yes, if somebody else in the SEC can step up. So Bryce Young is a a huge uh, thing to watch, and I don't know how much spring practice anybody's going to actually get to see, and you know they're going to dumb down the spring game so bad that you won't get to see much from there either. But is Alabama vulnerable? I think they can be if Bryce Young is who I think he is, which is not dynamic the way Alabama has had dynamic the last three guys. He looked like a step down. So that makes Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, the usual suspects, but makes them vulnerable to those teams. But can Georgia be that team to step up and take advantage of potential vulnerability? We'll have to see. Is LSU prepared to compete again? I don't think so. What about Texas A&M? What is life after Kellen Mond like? Brian Harson will not have Auburn contending for a title in year one. So is there even somebody that can take advantage of Alabama's vulnerability if it is? if it's even there. Um, And number five, to me, which new hire will be ready to compete the fastest? So we had four coaching changes in the SEC, Auburn, Tennessee, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. Of course, this being the one-year anniversary of uh, the COVID shutdown in sports, um, I remember the talking point back then was that you're not getting any coaching turnover There's no carousel coming in the SEC because COVID is going to ruin everybody's budget and shut this all down. Well, that ended up not being the case at all. As you know, there were four coaching changes in the SEC, three of which were just performance-based with Auburn, South Carolina, and uh, and Vanderbilt, Tennessee. Uh, It's a little bit more than that. Although Jeremy Pruitt wasn't winning anything there either. Uh, That was more... It was NCAA-based, not performance-based. But which new hire will be ready to compete the fastest? The easy answer is Auburn, because if you look at South Carolina, um, they returned one of the least experienced rosters in college football, not the SEC. And all of college football, uh, they let their most talented quarterback, in my opinion, walk. Kalinsky is elsewhere now, uh, and their recruiting class didn't do anything to help them at all. Uh it is Shane Beamer has got a serious uphill climb in Columbia. Now they've got a really good running back and and that counts for something, I suppose. But I think South Carolina might be the worst team in the SEC next year. And that's not hyperbole. I think South Carolina might be the worst team in the SEC next year. Cause I like what Clark Lee's taking over at Vanderbilt to some degree. I think he's got a good quarterback. I think he's got a pretty dynamic backfield, although one transferred. Um, Vanderbilt had a lot of opt-outs, especially on the offensive line. I would not be at all shocked if South Carolina finished last in the SEC, 14th out of 14. Would not be shocked at that at all. 
So the easy answer is Auburn because there is some talent available. But if we're being totally honest, I do not expect a similar narrative this year as opposed to last year. So the SEC had four coaching changes after the 2019 season. And Drinkwitz, I thought, did really well, especially with all the COVID problems Missouri had. He played with depleted rosters for most of the season. Thought he his audition was great. Arkansas fans are thrilled with Sam Pittman, although I think that if you really look at what Arkansas did last season, I wouldn't be as much as they are. You guys know Ole Miss fans are in love with Lane Kiffin, and Mississippi State really closed that season well, and their fans are back engaged when there was some worry earlier this year. I don't think we're going to have that kind of feeling after year one. Um, I think Shane Beamer and Clark Lee should get a pass because of what they're taking over. But I think a year from now, you're going to look up and see four teams that were really, really bad. Potentially. Derek Mason's an underrated hire at Auburn, but that team has five losses written all over it. Um, Tennessee lost everybody of impact. Like I told you, South Carolina has the least experienced roster in the one of the least experienced rosters in the country returning, and Vanderbilt is Vanderbilt. I don't think you're going to look at these four guys the same way you look at Drinkwitz, Pittman, Kiffin, and Leach. I don't think you're going to look at them the same at all. So there are my five questions. Can Mississippi State's talented freshmen become impact sophomores? Who will replace Elijah Moore at Ole Miss? That answer is nobody, and that's okay. Who will be the class of the league at quarterback? Is it as simple as JT Daniels or Matt Corral, or will one of these guys replacing Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, will they step up and be elite level right away? Number four, is there a contender besides Alabama somewhere? Can somebody other than Alabama actually contend for something meaningful? And number five, which new hire will be ready to compete in season one? Probably nobody. Easy answer, of course, is Auburn. Don't sleep on Vanderbilt, though. They've got some pieces that are not terrible there. And Clark Lee seems to be a really good hire, as long as the school actually tries to give a damn about winning in football. But we'll see. Enjoy your SEC basketball tonight. The tournament really starts today. Forget last night. Tournament really starts today. Um, Ole Miss with everything on the line. You got to win today and you got to win tomorrow, especially now that Duke is rising. doesn't help you at all. So enjoy your basketball. We'll be back tomorrow to recap everything that happens today in hoops and get you ready for the baseball weekend. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just my name right there. That's all you got to search. Hit subscribe. It's free to you. Subscribe to the podcast. Also, free to you. Follow me on all social media channels and until tomorrow at 8, you'll have a great rest of your day. Thank you for tuning in and I'll talk to you then. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.